I'm Danielle Houston. I'm the host of this podcast, The Checkup. I'm also a benefits advisor at Locked In Companies. Today, I have a special guest, and this is going to be the first of many podcast episodes where I'm giving you the opportunity to get to know Lockton. Jutley Casper is an account executive here with us. She works in our health risk strategies group. She is a wellness, well-being expert who works with clients to help gain an understanding of what their goals and priorities are, but most especially to help frame a wellness strategy to align with culture. She has over 10 years of experience in this space as a coach, as an educator, a program manager with us as a consultant. She's a self-proclaimed well-being nerd, so I would never call her that personally, but she put it out there and I love it because I think if you love this space anyway, there have to be a few little things that you know make you unique that you just love. And she's got a passion for organizational psychology, positive psychology, and resilience. So Julie, welcome to the checkup. Hi, Danielle. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for coming. So tell us a little bit about what's your degree in? What's that education background? Yeah, so I grew up um, really loving all things well-being, sort of passed down from my mom. She was way ahead of her time. Um, And uh, so it's something that's, I think, just always been in me. Um, And when I got to college, I learned about organizational psychology and, and positive psychology was just kind of starting. Um, and so I got my bachelor's degree in, in psychology um, and then took a little detour, spent some time in the legal field and then kind of quickly realized these, these aren't me, my people. <laughs> and um, just through some stumbling blocks and some fortunate accidents, um, got into health coaching um, And it's kind of just, um, you know, been great ever since. Well, I'm so glad you're here at Lockton, um, getting to know you and and the team and and the approach to well-being in particular has really been helpful to me as I I love wellness too, and I'm really passionate about it. What's the favorite thing that you do with clients in this space? Yeah, it's such interesting work. And um, like you mentioned that that I said, I'm kind of a nerd in this space. So I I love to be able to help people and and talk about these things that I think are just so interesting. The, you know, the challenges for people, for organizations are are kind of the same. Um, So the the really, the, the cool work is trying to figure out a different solution, maybe for different clients um, to those challenges. So everybody's different in terms of culture and demographic and, um, you know, population, personalities, all that kind of thing is different. So how do we help um, to create solutions to those challenges um, in a very meaningful um, and individual way that works for that group? And, and that's what I just think is, is the most interesting. Well, I'm really excited to have you on my show as one of the first locked in experts who will give our Northwest listeners a glimpse into who locked in is and how we can help make their business better, which is really at the heartbeat of what we do. So let's jump into the episode. 
you know, if, if people listening, if you get some hints around, you know, Julie's background, then you will know that we are leading into an episode here today to talk about well-being. It's a focus on stress management and resilience, which, you know, we are all working through these things right now. And when we first started talking about what we wanted to put together for all of you, I decided that I really wanted to bend that focus a bit. You know, it's still about mental health, but let's talk about ways specific to COVID that we can help each other and specific to a holiday season that's going to be so different than what we've ever experienced in our lifetime. And it's going to be hard for people in some new ways. So what I hope we'll accomplish today is learn some ways, some new ways to cope, to help each other by sharing those ideas, things that you can work in your, use in your workplace, things that you can take home to have fun, build joy, and make memories no matter what the circumstances are outside of that. So Julie, let's just start with, you know, this topic is a wide topic. It's applicable to everyone at this point. And as you noted, when we were first prepping for this, this is a topic that can be difficult to address and elusive to solve. So let's start with some just education about stress some foundational pieces. What happens biologically when we encounter stress? Yeah, it's, um, it's something that you've probably heard of this fight or flight or freeze response that's going on in our body. Um, we encounter this stress and our brain says, okay, I need to send out um, the the stress hormones, the, the cortisol, the adrenaline to help get us through this situation, to keep us safe. It's here to protect us. And, you know, a billion years ago, we were fighting um, tigers and running away and trying to stay alive. And um, that's obviously not the case for us anymore. But I think um, what's, what's troubling today is it's just hitting all day, every day. And so if you think about the things that maybe stress you out, if it's um, happening at the workplace, it's colleagues, it's your manager, then it's kind of this steady stream of um, the stress hormone being released all the time. And instead of being able to run away and flush all that out, um, we're not, we don't have the tools to do that. And, and we just haven't caught up with how to flush that out. So what are some tools that we can have to kind of help us get rid of that stress hormone and, and help ourselves um, so that we can protect ourselves and, and um, not build up that inflammation. Um, and so I would say um, it's, it's really about building that, that toolbox for you. Um, and so hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about how to get, get those stress hormones flushed out. 2020 is a hell of a tiger. And I think everyone would agree from that. We are out running trying to outrun the fastest, maybe strongest tiger we've encountered in our generation. Is this state of health new for us? Yeah, it, you know, it's not. We're, we are obviously, we know we're under stress. Um, Pre-2020, we knew that this was something that's really creeping in, particularly in lockdown. We're talking a lot about this with our clients and our clients are asking us, how do we help our people? Mental health is... Um, climbing um, or mental health issues rather are climbing at sort of an alarming rate, particularly with younger folks. 
And so how do we help address that? So I don't think it's new, um, but I do think that this year um, we threw a, a global pandemic down and then we had um, social unrest. We still um, have social justice issues. We um, have a contentious election. Um, and now we're heading into the holidays, which is also kind of sometimes stressful for people too. So I think while it was already um, happening, this is the, we've had just sort of a compounding effect now this year. Yeah. So to your point, I mean, I guess two of the things that I hear in this is it's impacting everyone in some capacity and the people who are at most risk are the people who were probably already struggling. And to your point, the mental health crisis, especially in this country, isn't new. It, we were already at some teetering points with access to mental health care, affordable mental health care, and then COVID. So we really are in some territory. Uh, we're going to have to solve this in some different ways, new ways, and really work together to do that. How is this manifested in the workplace? And, and I think too, you know, as, as we have talked about this, there are the things you would expect that maybe the big signs, but there are some sneaky little things. Yeah, you, you really hit the nail on the head there, Danielle. It, the things that we expect are things like the burnout, and um, the low morale, those are some kind of telltale signs, but I think there are some other big clues. Um, and certainly this year, um, people are working from home and um, a lot of us, at least anyways. Um, but so just not being in person with people can sometimes be challenging um, around things like communication, we're having memory issues. We're not really as productive as we used to be, um, even though we probably spend more time at our desks without that commute. Um, we are also having um, issues with creative, did I say creativity? <laughs> creativity, productivity, um, all the ivities, right? The um, irritability. <laughs> um, so I think there are things that we might not necessarily tag as, um, oh, that's, that's a sign of stress in the workplace, but I think the, the point is we want to just give people the benefit of the doubt and when they are irritable or they kind of snap at you or they're not as productive as they used to be or they forget something that we come from this um, place of kindness and grace and let people kind of have that time to, to recollect themselves because it really is difficult and as you mentioned it's it's just happening to everybody. Yeah, I certainly noticed the memory issues, which I didn't connect until you were talking about these things with me. And it's, you know, it's been a little bit of a joke in our house, but still, you know, having that mindfulness of seeing those things in yourself and then knowing I really do need to make sure that I'm getting enough sleep. We know that's a huge factor in combating stress. And um, hopefully, you know, folks that are, that will listen to this today may may take some account of things that maybe were a little sneaky in their own lives too and identify it back to, to stress. So obviously in the workplace, there are things that employers can do to help 
address some of these new issues of stress. What are you seeing our clients do in response to this, specific to the workday? Yeah, and, and I love Lockton's been doing a lot of really great pulse surveys with clients to keep tabs on what's going on, what are people doing, what is it looking like for you, um, and I love that we have that. So we have this national survey of all of our um, offices across the country and um, their clients. What we're really seeing is about 70 to 75% of folks um, or organizations do have some sort of either um, remote or hybrid um, situation. So people are in the office and um, also maybe at home or in an alternate um, location where they're working. And then um, it, about 35% um, of folks are really just completely remote. Um, so I think that's interesting of itself because um, we're remote. I kind of feel like everybody is remote. <laughs> um, but if you think about all these frontline workers and all these places where it's just not possible, um, it really does sort of make sense. Um, and then I think we're seeing about 10% where organizations are really trying to compress the work day or the work week. Um, so doing, you know, four tens, um, which can be valuable for people. It's long days. One would argue maybe they're spending that much time anyway. Um, and then you have Friday theoretically off. So, um, I think every organization is trying to figure out what works for them and given what kind of work they do, how they can, can help, um, rearrange things. To your point, not everyone can have a flexible work day or have a compressed work week. And so taking that maybe a step further, we know that not all of the challenges people are facing every day can be changed by what their work schedule looks like because our realities that I think we're all really exposed to right now is you're finished with work and then you still have these other things happening in your home that are different, whether it's a change in your income or someone who's unemployed, people have their kids at home too, that they have some differing responsibilities now for homeschooling and our kids that are having their own sadness and struggles. So outside of the workplace, what are some other actions that organizations can take that maybe would be a totally different look at equipping people when they aren't on the clock anymore? Yeah, and um, there, I will say on the outset, there are um, lots of great programs and resources and vendors that are helping to solve for this. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll go into talking about a couple of those. Um, but I think when we start to look at the things that you can do that maybe don't necessarily impact your budget, um, or at least aren't, you know, a big hefty um, line item for you, um, we start to look about look into things that um, are, are more just cultural. Um, so talk a little bit about those. I think the most important thing to remember here is that not every one of these things that we talk about is going to work in your workplace or at your house. Um, it's different cultures and different organizations um, will find different things appropriate or applicable, meaningful. So um, I think starting to take, you know, what we're talking about and figuring out how it might work for you and um, 
and how it could benefit your organization is great. And, and the other thing too, is that it, it's not just sort of a set it and forget it. Unfortunately, as much as we would like to just plop something in and then let it go. Um, it, this really is a rinse and repeat and continually evolve and evaluate and make sure that it's working and you tweak it um, and you keep um, growing because as we know, even with our own well-being, you, you can't just do one thing and then that's it. We have to kind of keep um, adding and tweaking and fixing um, and um, making sure we're adapting. So um, a long way to say um, that I hope you can take um, some things with you. Um, and, and I think the first thing is really just talking to your people and getting feedback. So in any way you possibly can, if it's um, during one-on-ones, if it's um, pulse surveys, if it's polling, if it's using um, your intranet, or if you have like a Slack or a work, work day or work, workplace, whatever those, all those social media type um, sites that allow you to communicate with your employees, um, making sure that you're keeping those lines of communication open, finding out what people need, um, particularly managers, they, um, they may be um, managing people virtually for the first time. Um, there may be new managers. I think the struggle with managers is always a lot of times they come as being an individual contributor, and now they have to look after and care for other individuals. So um, explaining that it is very meaningful to just ask your direct reports, how are you? How are you doing? Do you have the tools that you need? Um, and, and beyond just the technology that you need, but do you have what you need and are you able to be productive? So again, just talking, keeping the lines of communication open and asking any way and, and any format you can. I love that. It's really, truly not assuming that you know what people need or how they're feeling, bringing that humanity into your department, to your team, and asking people, what exactly is it that you need and really how are you? I mean, it's simple, but sometimes I think in the workplace too, it's easy to maybe make things a little bit more complicated than they need to be. One of the other things you talk about that really hit home for me too was kind of a light bulb moment was providing autonomy at work. You talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this is critical, I think, and and goes a little bit hand in hand with flexibility too, which is something that I'm a big proponent of. But autonomy is something that we know is going to keep people engaged at work. Autonomy is um, something help that helps prevent burnout. Um, even prior to this, it's something that we were talking about. But I think now we have sort of a unique opportunity to re-examine what's going on in the workplace, um, whether it's policies, procedures, the way things are done, um, does it need to be done that way? Um, or can we have some control or can you provide your employees control over how they're doing things? Um, that report, we always turn in on Fridays. Well, you know what? It's actually better for me if I turn in Tuesdays. Does it matter? Probably not. Let's do that. So just coming up with ways um, that you can empower your people to make decisions over how they get their work done um, or even maybe what kind of work they're doing. So engaging in some things that um, they're really passionate about. Um, HR is typically always looking for a little help. Um, so if you need help in sort of creating some 
well-being initiatives. Um, maybe there are folks in your organization that would love to help, um, and this provides them an opportunity to get engaged and do something a little bit different. So just asking those questions um, to say, how can we do things better? How can we do things different? Is this working for you? Is there a better way? Um, and what we might find out is that it shook us up like a snow globe, and now we're able to do things in a better, more efficient way and um, giving people that um, place of empowerment um, to have some control over that is, is very powerful in this moment. I think my light bulb moment and what you have laid out there is we are all struggling to with that realization of how little control we really have over things right? The world tipped over. It felt like all of a sudden, so many things are outside of what we have control over, gosh, you know, in our home, in our workplaces with our kids and our feelings, but we can perhaps have a new opportunity to have some control at work over things that maybe we haven't thought about before. I think it's a wonderful way to help people find some center perhaps. The other piece that we talk a lot about is communication from leaders. And there were three elements that you laid out as being really important, concise, transparent, and frequent. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, communication is frankly probably the biggest thing um, to focus on because you can have programs and resources and phenomenal leaders and great ideas and all these things. But if you're not getting um, to the people, then it really doesn't matter. So um, I would say you need to definitely communicate all the time. Um, even almost sometimes it feels like it might be over communicating. Um, but people need to hear from you. They need to hear what's going on in the organization. So that transparency is key. And uh, we, people don't like to open up an email from anybody and see paragraphs. <laughs> so <laughs> concise. <laughs> we want it to be concise. We want it to get straight to the point. And we want to make sure um, that we're doing it, um, again, just all the time. So it's reinforcing that. And I think it can, it can be more than just what's going on with the organization um, and the health of the organization. It can also be um, showing the leaders, showing how they are taking time away for themselves, how they're recharging um, to provide and be that model. And so also maybe even saying, here's how I'm doing it. I want you to, to also take 30 minutes a day to step away from your desk, eat lunch somewhere else, go take a walk, walk your dog, whatever it is. Um, so you're, you're showing that you're doing it and you're asking people to do it, um, giving them permission to um, take those breaks, take their PTO um, and make sure that they are um, taking care of themselves so that they, they can um, be productive. There are a couple of things I've seen at Lockton in regard to that leadership messaging that I have really appreciated. Video messages 
you know, being able to look at someone's face and hear the words instead of reading the paragraphs, kind of like what you're seeing. I think that adds that personal touch, but there's also been a series that one of the executives started in Workday, which is like Facebook for work for people who aren't familiar with it, but it was a series called Ask Me Anything. And when I saw that, I remember thinking, wow, that's so brave to just open yourself up to whoever might join the conversation that day. They can ask you anything and to be able to have that kind of courage and then have the follow through to come back with maybe the answers you didn't have the first time around or being able to say, we don't know yet, but when we know, we're going to communicate back with you. So, you know, maybe there's a couple of pearls in that too for people to take into communication with their team and um, and their office too. Um, And I love what you're sharing too about encouraging interests. We all need to be able to log off and do something else with, with our day. You also talk a little bit about giving time. We can, you know, flexible work schedules are great. Um, What would you say about the time piece? Yeah, I, I, you know, it depends on the organization. Some are being a little bit um, more progressive at the offset where they just give unlimited PTO, um, which we've learned is sort of interesting, Um, but that, you know, most people don't, if, especially if you just started your job and you don't have a bank of PTO, you are um, just trying to get which, you know, every little minute that you can. Um, and we are in times where even if we're working from home, we, we are stretched then trying to do the Zoom calls with the kids and get dinner and do this and that. So I, I think anytime you can give time, whether that's com- condensing the work day, giving half days off, giving full days off, um, people really, really appreciate that. They really just want a minute to sit <laughs> and relax and not feel like guilty or that they're missing something, that they're, that that they should be doing something else. And so this unexpected jewel or gift of time is really um, what I found just by talking to people, one of the most meaningful things you can do. There are two questions that you have established as being these questions that I view them as if employers, HR directors, senior leaders are asking these and lining out some action steps around that, I don't think you can really go wrong. The first one is how do we show them we care? And the second one was how can we support and not add to the pressure? Simple questions really, but incredibly meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And and sort of my old, old hat as a coach is just asking these open-ended questions and people know what is true for them and for their organization. Um, How can you show people that you care? Uh, Rosie Ward is doing a lot of really great work around humanizing the workplace. And I think it's so important to make sure that people know that you are not just Um, that number um, on an eligibility file um, that they care about you and um, that you are part of that, you know, family. And um, so 
how can you show people that, that you care? It can be something really simple. Um, and then how can you just support people and, and talk to them in a way where it kind of goes back to maybe even that autonomy or flexibility, but not putting pressure on people, changing things around so that they don't feel like um, this is another thing to do on that list. So I think it really goes back to just um, digging in into kind of yourself and your organization and figuring out how can you humanize your workplace? How can you show people you care? What can you take off someone else's plate? We got a lot of questions in these early COVID days about employee assistance plans and you know an expansion adding on to them those can be really meaningful ways to help layer in additional resources even for managers kind of what you mentioned earlier some some of our managers and when i say our i mean just our society's managers need some extra help in how to help people but beyond eap what are some of the other vendors that you see who are doing really great work in light of where we are with COVID and some of these new pressures and stresses? Yeah, it's, um, you know, we have wanted to sort of retool EAP for a long time. And so again, as with some other things, this is just sort of accelerated that. Um, I will say the first place you can always look is with your carriers. Um, so your medical carriers, a lot of these um, big carriers are forming relationships with other vendors, targeted solution type vendors. So you may be able to offer things um, like um, mental health vendors for, for free or as, as part of your plan. So definitely always check to see the resources that your carrier is providing. Um, but then there really are some great options um, along that continuum of mental health care. So your basic things like the Calm app, the Headspace. So those are sort of stress management, resilience, things that you can incorporate into your day or employees can incorporate um, to kind of help keep them um, floating above water. Um, but then it really does span all the way through to, to more of these clinical solutions. So um, companies like Ginger and Talkspace are really sort of revolutionizing the way mental health um, and therapy are delivered. They're, it's an app that you download and it, it's coming straight to your smartphone and you're literally having therapy um, within minutes. Um, so you're, you're um, even figuring out for that, that access issue right there. Um, and it just allows opportunity for you to get care um, right away when you need it. We know, we all know if um, whenever, you know, you've been against a situation or you're dealing with something, particularly things like grief, which is what we're in, we are grieving, um, you know, when you need it, you need it now. Um, and so I think the, these solutions are, are really meeting that, that need. And I think it also drives home an earlier point that we talked about where access to mental health care services has long been an issue. You add in COVID and all of these other things and that lack of access, especially in person, just exploded even more. And virtual therapy gives people affordable access, quick access that they otherwise would not have 
probably had very much like what we're seeing in the other access to telehealth services. And we hear some really interesting, you know, I would call it more anecdotal at this point, but providers in the mental health space in particular saying how much they really like that virtual access to people. There are so many who will be so much more open in a setting with a telephone call than they would be in a face-to-face situation. But then you also have a provider who can see environmentally around people. Where, you know, where are they living? Who are they with? You know, even some things like, is it too dark in the house? These things really can help a provider help a person in some new ways that being in an office was perhaps limiting, which is, I think, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So there are some things, you know, we talked earlier about giving some ideas around the holidays. I put a poll out to some HR pros about, you know, what are some of the creative things they're doing in their workplace? And specifically, I was looking for things that, you know, you could take and do these in your workplace, or you could adapt them and do them with your families. So many people aren't going to be traveling or, you know, they have high risk family members, so they aren't gathering. What are some fun things that we can do and make those memories in spite of the things that are outside of our control? So ideas. Um, One in particular that came from a woman, Erin Turnmeyer from SHRM, which SHRM is such a wonderful resource, but she said they are using a company that's called Wildly Different Games. That company will do emceeing of different teams and games, all virtual. I'm not sure what the cost is there. But if you have a company who's looking to do something, or maybe your family is larger, this option could be a lot of fun to have. How about you, Julie? What are some things you're hearing? Yeah, I love that. And it's great. I think, you know, we go back to this communication piece to really just drive home and tell people, look, we know this is hard. Let's, let's, you know, look at and talk about the elephant in the room. We know this is hard. This year is going to look different. It stinks, um, but we, you know, we 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 can still celebrate. We can still um, have some some great memories to take away. Um, I think one of the most important things you can always do is talk about that gratitude piece. Um, that it's challenging, but there are some things that are going to come out of this to make us stronger. And I think some of the things that we can do just within our organizations and our families is continue to tell these stories. So um, you mentioned the work um, workday um, app or website that we use um, at locked in and really just sharing stories and, and leadership to show what are the things you're doing? Maybe we can create some challenges or contests around how we are thriving in this environment? What are we doing with our own families that maybe you can do? I know I'm not always the most creative person. Um, and so it always helps me to be inspired by what other people are doing. So are we doing um, challenges with how do we, with healthy recipes for, for Thanksgiving or 
or um, whether it's opening gifts um, on Zoom. I know we all have a bit of Zoom fatigue, but I do think it's critically important that we continue to see each other, even if only virtually. Um, and so just encouraging those opportunities where people can give thanks and be grateful and show themselves off and maybe creating some challenges or contests around it. Yeah, I think those stories are so important because I'm not that creative either. So I always need a little inspiration. Another really great one that Don Stefan, also a, another SHRM member, talked about was, yes, Zoom, and I know we have fatigue, but I think there are some really fun ways that we can incorporate it, but using Zoom to have a virtual white elephant. And I thought this idea was so fun and something that I could easily do with my family who lives all over the country. And um, she is using it. She's asked to receive pictures of all of the gifts. She created an advent style calendar. Each little door gets a number. Each gift is assigned a number. She takes the picture and puts it in there. And then all the same rules would apply as your white elephant. So you can pick your door, you can you know, force a swap, and then those gifts get mailed right afterward. I think that's, I think that's so fun. I think there are a lot of games too that we could do virtually that Zoom or FaceTime or even a Facebook portal, if there are some out there, that you can do like charades or trivia. And these would be things that kids can participate in too. It doesn't have to be adult only, Pictionary. I mean, I just think of all of these things that I've done in my own living room that we could set up, you know, the laptop on the living room table and, and play with people. Talent yeah. shows. It shows like, what do you, I mean, do you have a nephew or a niece who learned an instrument this, you know, in 2020 and all of their home time, you know, you're, you could have quite the uh, concert from your, your living rooms over Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a really great point. And that is when we're talking about creating those memories and particularly with children, um, they, you know, this is a moment where your children are looking at you to see how you are overcoming these difficult situations. And they don't care, you know, they don't, they're so adaptable and resilient and they just wanna see um, you having a good time and being that model to look up to, to say, you know what, this, we can't do it the way we always did it, but we are gonna do the best we can do with this year. And I guarantee they will remember it, you know, forever. Yeah, a great point that we can teach our kids to be resilient. And, you know, we are all learning it. I think we all have a little bit of a resilience muscle. And, you know, some of us, maybe that muscle was already larger than others, but it's a muscle that we are working. It's getting stronger and we can teach that to our kids. And I think it's an incredible gift to give them to like, you can do this. We can do Absolutely. this. Absolutely. There are a few other ideas that I thought were great. I'm going to have those available. So if someone wants the rundown, you know, in a list, we are happy to provide that. I know that there are recommendations, you know, Julie has around 
vendors and even surveys and sample questions. So if there are things that you would really love to incorporate into your workplace, or maybe even taking those questions and pulling your family about what they would like to do over the holidays, I think that would be a really, really great way to interact and we can help and provide some of those pieces for you. Um, as we conclude here and, and wrap up, I always start these, especially when I think about how do I conclude an episode like this? I don't want to get too preachy. And yet I find myself really kind of preaching at myself a lot these days. But really what I wanted to suggest here is no matter what you do and no matter how strange this year and how hard this year is, let's document it take some pictures, you know, I plan on taking pictures, I plan on journaling, because at some point, I hope that my grandkids are going to ask, you know, what was this year like? And I want to be able to share with them, you know, in the future when it feels better and life is better and it will, that we can share how we endured and how we overcame and how we made joy in this year that was. So don't do this alone. Hang some lights, bake the cookies, check on your neighbors. Don't do it alone. Julie, anything else you want to add into that? Yeah, you make a really great point. I mean, we, I think for the first time, there are new therapies being developed. There are um, vaccines on the way. There are um, more testing capabilities. We are for the first time really seeing, okay, we kind of know how, how much longer we may be doing some of these things. We kind of can see for the first time that that timeline start to emerge of what this is going to look like. And I just want to reiterate to people that, um, you know, we are, we are getting close and, and this is, this is a stinky year and it just, there's no, you know, other way to say it, but we are going to get through this. We are going to be better next year. Um, and I think there's a lot of hope and optimism about that. And it, that's really what this season is all about. Um, and so just tuck that in your pocket. Um, and like you said, make those memories. Yeah. Thank you, Julie, for joining us today and for the hope and optimism that you help to share too. So you guys don't do this alone. There is hope. It is getting better. We can do this. Take good care. Yes. Thank you.